Now playing movie reviews in 20 cues. Hello, good people, and welcome to the podcast Movie Reviews in 20 Qs, the show where we review a movie by asking 20 weird and wonderful questions about it. I am your host, Sam Hurley, and I am joined this week. Well, actually, let me rewind. I love having guests on. You guys know this. You guys have seen how many guests we've had on in the past. We love having returning guests. It's always good to get somebody back. But what I love even more than that is having brand new guests on. I love seeing what they might bring to the show. And basically, through the wonder that is Instagram, which we barely ever use, I came across these guys and was like, hmm, this is an interesting premise. Started listening to their podcast. And even though, as we've talked about before the show, I might not be the target demographic for some of their content, I absolutely love their show. So I couldn't wait to have them on. It's Ellie and Anne from uh, the Girl Crush Podcast. How are you guys? Hi, doing great. How are you? Oh, no one ever asked me how I am, Ellie. So this is like, (laughs) I don't know what to say. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm I'm fine, I guess. Good. Thanks so much for having us on. We're excited. Oh, um, like before we get into all of our usual shit, why don't you tell us about the Girl Crush Pod? Sure. So Girl Crush Podcast, (laughs) Anne and I started this um, a little over a year ago, and we have been watching and ranking every movie from one actress's repertoire. So we finished season one, watched every movie of Jennifer Aniston's, ranked all of them. And we basically started that because we had this huge girl crush hence the name, on Jennifer Aniston after watching Friends and after watching some of her movies. And then it sort of escalated into our podcast. And now we're getting ready to launch season two, where our girl crush will be Sandra Bullock. So we just finished watching all of her films. And um, we have our ranking all ready to go. So that's what our our season two podcast will focus on. Very much looking forward to that and kind of hence why we are doing a Sandra Bullock film this time around. And me and Anne were talking just before Ellie showed up about this. But one of my favorite thing about you guys is your um, hair videos. As a bald man <laughs> watching like people do stuff with their hair on the internet, it's fascinating. Like as I mentioned, I'm barely ever on Instagram, and now every time my wife looks over, she's like, "Are you watching videos of those girls doing the hair again?" I'm like, "That's, that's fucking awesome!" <laughs> that's amazing. That uh, is like the highest compliment. <laughs> it is every single time. I'm like, "How this, this is amazing!" Like I, I just. I don't know. I don't have the time, the patience, the creativity, the ingenuity. I don't have any of that. And then when I watch you guys do it, I'm like, fuck, this is fascinating. <laughs> we, I, I will say we've gotten a little bit better as, as um, you know, time has gone on. And I think we had a little extra time with being on lockdown for, for COVID <laughs> to take some time <laughs> to try and recreate some of Jennifer Aniston's hairstyles. So hopefully we can do the same with Sandra Bullock and keep you entertained. Oh, yeah, I hope so as well. Um, there are some great sandy haircuts that I'm very much looking forward to. The gravity one, I can't wait to see you guys try and pull off that monstrosity. I think that'll probably be the worst one, but yeah, yeah there's probably. a few sandy bees. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Sandra Bullock is your guys' upcoming season. Uh, very much looking forward to it. And yeah, we basically, I sort of pitched it to you guys to pick a film and some of the suggestions, were, well, one of the suggestions was while you were sleeping. But then I saw Bird Box and I thought to myself, very brave of you guys to pick a film about, you know, basically socially distancing, staying in your house, you're only allowed to go outside wearing a face covering. Like That's an interesting film to be picking for a pair of Americans. Yeah, well, we haven't been quite as uh, blessed with the uh, COVID response of our nation here. So I think we've been feeling the lockdown a lot. <laughs> We're pretty jealous of, of you guys in New Zealand. So <laughs> Bird Box just hits close to home this year. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, that's a good point. Anyway, uh, the film Bird Box, 6.6 out of 10 on IMDb, 64% on Rotten Tomatoes, 51% on Metacritic. 
Stars Sandra Bullock, as we mentioned, is Mallory or Mal. Trevante Rose is Tom. John Malkovich is Douglas. Sarah Paulson as Jessica. Lil Rail Howery as Charlie. And Rosa Salazar as Lucy. Also, Machine Gun Kelly, he popped up in a role. Yes, yes, I was trying to think of a question to do with Machine Gun Kelly, but I just couldn't. <laughs> Thank God. Anyway, um, <laughs> directed by Suzanne Beyer. And what we now, we used to just give you guys the worst plot that we could find on the internet is basically the plot of the film for those people that, because I mean, we, we get very spoilery on here for those people that weren't going to watch this and wanted to play along anyway. But now we do it a, a little bit different where we do whoever's watched it the most recently. And I watched it over a week ago, so I didn't have to answer this. So which one are you two? Which one's watched it the most recent? I watched it, I think, on Monday or Tuesday. I watched it yesterday. We've got a winner! Anne, come uh, on down! <laughs> all right. Um, the world starts to go crazy with some secret sort of virus of some sort that drives you to commit suicide if you see it, forcing survivors to hide indoors, and if they go outside, they have to be blindfolded. And we follow a woman played by Sandra Bullock as she tries to get her children to a safe space. Does that work? Yeah. Yeah, that'll do. All right. <laughs> yep, that'll do. That's fine. I'm like, oh, uh, yeah, and there are characters. That's enough. <laughs> yeah, that pretty much sums it up. Yeah, so if you guys haven't heard this podcast before, what we do is we review a movie by asking 20 weird or wonderful questions about it. We start with 10 that can be applied to any film. We then move into three personal questions that we thought of while watching this film. And then we normally finish on a listener question or a Patreon question. And this week it is a Patreon question. So the one that we always start with is the compliment sandwich, which is one thing good, one thing bad, one thing good. If we're going to give this a score over 5,000 out of 10,000, or if we don't like the film, we're going to give it a score under 5,000. We give it some one thing bad, one thing good, and then one thing bad. But uh, Ellie, why don't you lead us off? Why don't you tell us what your sandwich is and hit us with it? Sure. So I have a compliment sandwich. My first nice. good thing, uh, I think Sandra Bullock's acting in this is phenomenal. I think her shock and grief, especially in the part um, when she first gets to Greg's house, she, you can tell she's in shock. She's not really processed everything that's just happened. And then when she starts kind of retelling the events to Tom, she totally breaks down and she kind of like almost hyperventilates. And I think from then on, her acting is just like at a 10 the entire time. So I find it super impressive and I can like feel all of her emotions. And I love that she's, I love that she's acting, I mean, she has a blindfold on during a lot of it. So I, I think that's super impressive. Yeah. So my bad thing, I always struggle with movies like this when the enemy is kind of unknown. So I just want to know more. And I know that's sort of the point of these suspense movies or scary movie or, you know, whatever genre you want to call this. If they gave you too much information, it wouldn't be as scary so I get why they do it, but I still just like want to know more. I have so many questions about this, you know, unknown monster. And then my last good thing, the kids are so cute. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't pick uh, just one. I, I couldn't pick anything else besides just the kids are so cute. Every time they're on screen, I'm like, oh, they're little faces. Uh, I, I love that answer. <laughs> my wife, Stacy, always gives like the most sort of obtuse sort of like just stock standard answer. I'm like, yeah, that's cute. That makes sense. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, as a score out of 10,000 blindfolds, what would you give it? Ooh, out of 10,000 blindfolds, I think I would go with about 7,400 blindfolds. That's a lot of blindfolds. Yeah, of blindfolds. I liked it. Cool. Well, good. Uh, Anne, what about you? All right. I will also do a compliment sandwich. 
Um, my first is I totally agree. Sandra Bullock is incredible in this movie. I just think she's so good. And I think especially because we just finished watching all of her movies. And the last one we watched was an older film. It was her second movie, actually. So going from watching that movie, which was like a made-for-TV movie, to watching this, it's just like you see this 20, 30-year <laughs> jump of acting skill growth. And it's just, I mean, it's amazing. So I totally agree with that. Um, my bad is that I find this plot really stupid. This was a movie Allie and I have, like argued over uh, whether we like it or not. Uh, I I'll get more into this on my uh, on the next question on why I think the the plot is stupid. But I I just I asked so many questions while watching this <laughs> that it was not <laughs> that enjoyable for me. Um, and my last good is that I do think the ending is pretty solid. I think it leaves you with questions, but it sets you up for what I suppose the sequel is going to be about. So that's my compliment sandwich. Barely. It's like a dusty sandwich, but it is. <laughs> <laughs> so is the score out of 10,000 blindfolds? Out of 10,000 blindfolds, I would give it 5,050 blindfolds. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> uh, moves me over to me. Yeah, my first good thing. I thought it was an interesting concept to have the two stories playing off against each other. So we have her five years in the future as well as how everything went down. I thought that was kind of cool. Although it kind of took away the shine of it a little because you suddenly realized how, you know, how few characters are actually going to make it through. So by the time you see just her and the two kids, you're like, well, obviously whoever, you know, that she knew in the house is probably going to be long gone and died. So that was kind of ruined a little bit of the rest of the movie for me. Um, but talking about the characters that died, I mean, that was my first bad thing. I don't really care when any of the characters died. I just was not invested in any of them whatsoever. It was just like, like even, you know, this, like I'm a dad now. I've got a young daughter and, you know, watching two, two women give birth. I was like, oh, well, you know, if the babies die, who care? I was like, what, what is wrong with me? I was like, well, I just, I didn't. I just didn't really care about these characters. I was just like, yeah, it was, I don't know. It was Maybe that was my controversial opinion, but I'll get to that in a little bit. But the, um, but the final good thing is, yeah, Sandra Bullock's performance is, like, really good. Like, she plays this bitter, twisted woman, and she is bitter and twisted throughout the entire film, and she never stops playing that. But she plays it with such, I don't know, sincerity or, like, realism. It was just, it was good. And so was John Malkovich. I love John Malkovich. I don't know why he bothers playing, playing nice characters. When he's just perfect as an asshole, like that is his <laughs> yep. forte. Is he's just he's the man at it. So as a score out of ten thousand, yeah, I still enjoyed this film. Probably six thousand two hundred. Still enjoyable, but not a lot of blindfolds from me either. Okay. Anywho, this is to question number two, which is the first of our Patreon questions. Uh, this question comes courtesy of our friend Julio of the Contrarians Podcast. Podcast that takes a film with high rating, so you typically over ninety percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and basically sort of argues why it's rubbish, or they take a very well hated film and basically argue why it's cool, and then they offer their real talk at the end. Uh, anyway, what's the question there, Ellie? The question is, what's your most controversial opinion about this film? All right, like I said before, I think the plot is stupid. I just don't get it, and I don't like these thriller and horror movies that are focused on taking away one of your senses or else a monster gets you. Like, A Quiet Place came out six months before this movie did, and I also find that movie stupid, where you can't speak or else a monster gets you. Like, that's so dumb. So this, like, also, I find the monster whole... Like, I just find this plague really screwed up. It's like, kids commit suicide? Infants? How? Why? 
Like, I don't, I don't understand that. I don't want to understand it, but that's where my mind goes when I think about this. Like, how is a baby? I just, I don't get it. That's like one of my plot holes where I'm like, it should be once you're of a certain age or <laughs> like you graduate into being able to be killed by this like fake demon. I don't know. I, it just drives me crazy. <laughs> I can't get over, I can't get past that. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. Thank you so much. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> Uh, yeah, my my one, man, I had a few, but I mean, in my first question, but uh, my other one was, I kind of feel like John Malkovich actually had a really good point. Like he, he wanted them to stay in the supermarket where it was like relatively safe and they had food supplies and it was, you know, pretty much all good all round. And then he didn't want to let in that crazy dude or the guy that turned out to be crazy. Like he kind of had a point for a lot of this film. And I just, they kind of made him out to be the early villain. I just don't feel like that was founded. Like sure, you, I mean, the guy watched this bloody wife burn herself to death he's gonna have issues at the same time they just treat him like shit and they end up locking him in in a room and then that's the reason why everything turns to shit yeah fuck these people (laughs) (laughs) that's fair (laughs) yeah i kind of i agree with that what about you ellie okay so maybe this is a tribute to my having quite a bit more blindfolds rated than you guys but i feel like i don't really have a controversial controversial opinion about this film, but after hearing you guys, maybe my controversial opinion is just that I am okay with the film. <laughs> <laughs> like, I took it for what it was. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, n- next question, also a Patreon question, comes courtesy of the amazing man that is Chris Yeni. You're the fucking man, bro. Chris, what would he like to know there, Anne? He would like to know what song would you have inserted into this film and where? So typically on our podcast, we're always like, oh, in that driving scene, they're going to play Highway to Hell or Road to Nowhere. And I was like, man, it's absolutely perfect for the bit where they go driving blindfold, you know, with the, with the cast around. <laughs> I was like, these songs are perfect for this shit. But I was like, I can't be too on the nose, but I will be a bit on the nose. I would have liked R.E.M.'s It's the End of the World as We Know It playing in the supermarket when they got there. It's almost like a, like a little dig, like, you know, a little kick in the teeth sort of thing. When they got there and they're just like, nice, yeah, good pick. Whoever put this on the bloody supermarket radio should be fired sort of thing. But yeah, <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Mine is If the World Was Ending by Julia Michaels and J.P. Sachs. And I think it should go somewhere, maybe when we're seeing Tom and Mallory's romance kind of unfold, maybe in some of those scenes it could be playing under there. A little bit on the nose too. Oh, absolutely, but that's awesome. Uh, mine absolutely does not fit the vibe, but I'm like a bird by Nelly Furtado. Uh, <laughs> and the only place I think it could possibly make sense just would be at the, yeah I mean just throughout yeah but I, I think at the very yeah. end uh, you know when they're like in the courtyard or greenhouse or whatever it is with all the birds flying around and they, they let their birds out of the box to join them <laughs> um. <laughs> that's awesome Next question, also a Patreon question, comes courtesy of Dave Baker, who has his own Patreon at patreon.com forward slash your favorite. On it, he posts a ton of awesome content you guys should all go check out. And there is a link in the show notes below. What Dave would like to know is which two characters from this film would you guys want with you at a house party? I choose Charlie because he seems like easygoing. He seemed really fun. I like wanted to be his friend when I, was, when I met him in the house. And oh, then, hell yes. Yep. My second choice is Tom because I feel like like pre-apocalyptic era, he probably could party. Oh, that's a good choice. Damn. <laughs> I just wanted I want to know him outside of the outside of the house. You know what I mean? 
I mean, I, I, I also had Charlie. I mean, I've sort of given that away. But yeah, Tom, damn it. What about you, Anne? <laughs> um, I had uh, Sarah Paulson's character, Jessica, obviously before she goes crazy and commits suicide. She just seemed like the fun sister, you know? So I feel like she'd be a good time. And I also had Charlie, That's a good for one. sure. He, yep. he, he just seemed like a fun guy. We are absolutely twinning. They were my two answers as well. I was like, Sarah Paulson, nice. she's just kind of nice. She's a genuine person. <laughs> she's like, like, one of my controversial opinions was going to be that the wrong sister died. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like she, Sarah Paulson, Sarah Paulson lovely. she wouldn't have survived, though. Nah. But Sarah Paulson is in all these, like, creepy shows. And it's kind of a bummer that she died so early in this movie because this really is, like, her... Kind yeah. Yeah. Forte. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a fair point. Yeah. Cool. Question number five. What is it there, Ellie? Question number five is what scene from this film will you remember on your deathbed? So mine would be I, I would hope none of it, but if I had to choose, then the last scene with the birds, it's just like the most peaceful part of the movie. But if I had to remember something awful, it would be that woman <laughs> just so calmly getting into that burning car. John Malkovich's wife. That was the worst part of the movie for me. I just hate that. You mean you don't get into cars that are on fire calmly? <laughs> Generally, no. <laughs> <laughs> the one for me was the girl in the hospital bashing her head against the window. I was—I don't like hospitals anyway. But when she's like leaving and everything's turning to shit, and that blonde girl is just repeatedly smashing her head against the glass, I was like, "What the fuck?" Oh, that's something that's just going to stick for me. I don't know why, but yeah, it just stuck out. That's mine too. Unfortunately, yes! it's burned into my brain. Like when I think of Bird Box, the first thing I think of, unfortunately, is that scene, that moment where she starts banging her head against the wall. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. It's, and then it's she funny. just like yeah. stares at, um, at Sandra Bullock's character. Oh, it's so creepy. Yeah. It's like, as soon as you guys mentioned this, like that was the first thought that sprung to mind. That and Sandra Bullock having to do a whole ton of mouth acting because she was covered with a blindfold most of the time. But, <laughs> but yeah, definitely that. Uh, next question is also a Patreon question. Comes courtesy of the amazing woman that is Emily Higgins. Emily legitimately is the biggest Sandra Bullock fan on the planet to the point that I actually had to get her to like, sign off on this because she basically has a free range on every single Sandra Bullock film that we ever do. She's like, nah, I have to give, I have to give approval. And I was like, okay, is Bird Box fine? She's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fine if she ever tries to make us watch all about steve i'm probably gonna uh, <laughs> fucking delete the podcast i don't know <laughs> but anyway what would emily like to know there Anne? emily would like to know what side character would have the best spinoff movie i want to see the adventures of dr lapham she was in the er i think in um bend it like beckham i can't remember the actress's name but she i want to know how the hell she managed to make it from the hospital at the start of the film to end up at the blind hospital at the end. Like, how, what that adventure was like. Like, surely that must have been some, some shit. That's my exact answer, too. I said, <laughs> but I, I have a second option that way, because I, I figured someone else might put that. My second option, though, was Tom. And I want to see maybe, like, a prequel. I'd love to see his backstory. He's sort of, like, becomes an immediate hero very early on. So I'd love... And we get a glimpse that he's maybe in the military before so i would love to know you know all about his background and then i would also love it if maybe in that spinoff he didn't actually die in the movie yeah and yeah. maybe there's like some hope that he somehow is still alive 
Fair That's enough. my wishful That's thinking. Answer. Yeah. I guess you don't actually you don't actually see him shoot himself. You just see the gun. So right. right. It's possible. It's appeal. It would appeal to the people who like cheesy stuff like me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like if he hadn't died, Charlie would be a great option for a spinoff, and it. I would almost imagine it like Zombie Lands, like kind of funny for Charlie, you know, for a spinoff movie. Um, because he's just so goofy and lovable and he like loved researching and writing about all the apocalypse stuff. But otherwise, my, op- my choice would be Rick, who has the school for the blind at the end. In like the middle of nowhere, he somehow became this oasis and like contacting people and recruiting them. And I'm guessing that's what the sequel is going to be about. So I'll probably, you know, get my wish on that. But I, I'm just so curious, like how that community came to be. Yeah, that's totally. a good one. That's a good point. I'm, I'm more on the Charlie answer. I think he's the man. Yeah, I love Charlie. He did not deserve to die. <laughs> yeah. Next question, question number seven, is what deep philosophical debate arose in you while you guys were watching this film? For me, it was at what point do you place your own survival over the survival of others versus at what point do you sacrifice yourself to save others? And sort of what relationship do you have to have with that person in order to make that decision to sacrifice yourself? Because we saw a few people sacrifice themselves in the movie. You know, we saw, we saw Charlie, who did it for essentially strangers. And then we saw Tom, who did it for Mallory and the kids after they had essentially become a family years later. So I don't know, that, that debate kind of came up for me, and I don't know the right answer to it. But no, That's a good one. That's a real good one. What about you, Anne? Mine was uh, Tom's quote when he says, surviving is not living, and just talking about making a life even in the darkest of times and, and what that looks like. And I think especially within this past year, you know, some, so many people have just been trying to survive. I mean, fortunately, I, I get to work from home. I haven't been struggling at that degree, but a lot of people have. And no matter what, you're, everyone has their, their struggles, yeah, and enough. you have to think about like how to get, how to get past that and make the best out of you know any situation so that it's not just dragging you into depression or monotony because at that at that like you see Mallory and she's so shut down and she's so focused on the survival and keeping everybody safe that it it just seems miserable like what's the point you know yeah it's almost like what's the point if if that's all you're doing almost you have to have some other kind of something else to live for yeah I like that yeah I can dig that as well the um the one for me is like we get obviously a incredibly horrifying scene in this involving childbirth and yeah as you mentioned before and uh quiet place came out a little bit before this which also had an incredibly horrifying scene that involved childbirth so my deep philosophical debate was when the guys were making bird box did they watch a quiet place and saw emily blunt give birth to one baby and thought to themselves oh shit what do we do like our scene's not going to be nearly as terrifying anymore and the other guy was like Double the babies. That's what we need. We need to double the babies. <laughs> and that's basically what, the, that's that's what they've done. They've just doubled the babies to try and make it twice as bad. And I was like, ah. Oh, they yeah. totally did. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Uh, next question is also a Patreon question. Comes courtesy of our amazing friend Nick of Mr. Nicholas Kitchen, a food podcast. He's just started up recently. It's absolutely awesome. Stacey will possibly be on an episode soon. I keep pushing for that. But uh, what would Nick like to know there, Ellie? How could this movie be rewritten into a Shakespearean comedy or a tragedy? 
So I took this question very literally and seriously and thought about reworking it into Macbeth, where the creatures are the witches, and they're trying to encourage you to kill yourself or others with the promise of being king or euphoria or success, whatever. And those who kill themselves, you're obviously dead. But those who survive are just paranoid of not having that success or whatever was promised to them. And so they dedicate themselves to convincing others to face the witches or the creatures that they die and they're the only ones left. But everyone just dies. (laughs) (laughs) That is way more thought out than we normally get on this podcast. Well done. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's very impressive. You've actually used a proper Shakespearean play. That's phenomenal. Normally we just have a blast at it, which is what I'm about to do right now. Um, Basically, I was going to do this as the bad thing, but part of me that irked me was the ending for this film because it, it completely came out of nowhere and it seemed shot differently color saturation all that like completely different from the rest of the film which made me feel like the ending was all in her head and this was actually what she was seeing as she killed herself oh Ooh. and so i feel like if the movie had, had Whoa. The, you just blew had the, my mind <laughs> yeah because it, it just seems completely different and like you feel like if she was going to kill herself then she would See, you know, like, because they're seeing their mother, they're seeing things that make them happy and peaceful and, like, the best things on, on the planet. And, like, she's seeing this place where her kids will be taken care of, where a doctor that she knew five years beforehand, because we talked about it, how the hell did she end up at this place? There's a massive coincidence that she's there. You know, she names these children. She finally feels like they're children. You know, she gives them peace. And so I was thinking, like, if we just cut back to a shot of her with her blindfold off, just, like, you know, a corpse, and basically her two kids wandering around out in the forest, like that, that would be a tragedy. That would be a horrific ending. Wow. Oh, my God. I have, like, full body chills because you just blew my mind. I have the chills, too. <laughs> I hey. never even considered that, but I love, I love plot twists like that. It easily could have worked. Like, it just it felt so out of place. And a lot of people, when you look at the criticism for this film, were like, oh, the ending was too cheesy. It was too bullshit, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like. Man, it could easily work as just like a just yeah. a final gut punch, you know, like even a post credit scene or something of just like a of like the jungle or the forest, I should say, and her just like lying there with a blindfold in her hand or something like that. It would just be like, whoa, you know? Wow. Yeah, that's really good. <laughs> you guys both Thank put you. a lot more thought into this than I did. <laughs> um, I could see it being some kind of Shakespearean comedy where everyone is just blindfolded and they end up just killing the wrong people trying to survive. But it ends up being funny because they just, you know, are killing the wrong people. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's that's still an answer. That's fucking hilarious. But... <laughs> Any, anywho, moves us down to question number nine. What is it there, Anne? What quote from this film would be the worst thing to hear just after you finish having sex? My God, guys, there was a lot to pick from. And I'm going to go with John Malkovich's character, Douglas, at one point says, Get up and get out. It's not an orphanage. New guy, you had a great visit. We really loved meeting you. Now fuck off. And anybody who doesn't agree, you go with him. Out now. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Okay, mine is from um, the beginning when Sandra Bullock's character Mallory is talking to her sister, Jessica, played by Sarah Paulson. And she's like, can you move? I need you to move. (laughs) Which just sounds depressing. (laughs) I like that. I, I actually had a backup from around that time as well, which is I'm not running the red lights with a pregnant lady in the car. No. <laughs> like, what the fuck am I up to if that's happening? <laughs> yeah, that'd be, that, that's a scary thing. 
Uh, I was torn between two. The first one being uh, the five years in the future with uh, Tom and Mallory. And Tom says, oh, this? It's purely survival. (laughs) Or my backup option is John Malkovich screaming, are you a simpleton? (laughs) To Olympia when she opens the door. (laughs) Both of those sound like things I would not want to hear. Yeah, both of them cut a little bit too close to the bone for me, so let's move on to the next question. (laughs) Uh, The final question, and there's a lot. There's a lot in this film. There's a lot to pick from. Uh, I've gone a little bit creative, but I I can't wait to hear what you guys think. Uh, What was the biggest dick move of the film? Olympia letting someone in the house without asking anyone else's opinion. Yes, fuck her and the rest of these characters. It's so infuriating. She's an idiot. She's just straight up dumb. She deserved to die. <laughs> <laughs> she was she was a sweet idiot, but I agree. She was an idiot. Yeah. I can't believe she survived long enough to make it to that house like four days later. I'm shocked about that too. It doesn't make any sense. Like the way they like she the way they filmed that too just made me I mean, it made me even more annoyed at her. Like you hear her asking all the same questions that they asked her when she came to the door, but she's just doing it by herself. Whereas when she was there, they had the whole house there with, like, a gun pointed at the door. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, it was so frustrating. It was so frustrating. Hence why I said Malkovich had a point. He was just like, what the hell is going on here? Don't let that fucking person in. Yes. <laughs> right. Um, mine is Felix, a.k.a. Machine Gun Kelly, and what's her name, stealing the car and ditching everyone, essentially just leaving them to, to starve. Like, yeah, yeah, that's pretty What bad. a dick move. That, that was on my short list. Um, the only one that topped it is... At one point there, Betty Wong, who owns the house, says to them, hey, I'm going to have a look at the video and I'm going to see if I can see one outside. And then they all just leave the room. They just leave him there. <laughs> no one stands behind the monitor holding the power cord ready to disconnect it if shit goes sideways or to try and stop him from killing himself. Instead, they just all leave the room and leave him watching it. And so he could just start bashing his head on the like fireplace or whatever that was beside him. I was like, fuck you guys. Wow, I didn't even think about that, but that's so true. There was a lot of ways. They, they kind of just like <laughs> Absolutely. They just like went went around their business and then were confused when they heard his body hitting the floor. Uh. <laughs> exactly. And then no one rushed to help him. They all just sort of looked up at the roof like, oh yeah, he's just knocking on the floor. That's what we do around here nowadays. <laughs> Anywho, guys, that is our questions that can be applied to any film. We now move into our personal questions that we thought of while watching this film. Anne, you get to lead us off. What do you got there, bud? All right. My first question is, what animal could have been used in place of a bird to make this movie either more terrifying or more of a comedy? I was like, I was struggling with this because I was like, it would be funny if it was like a platypus or something like that. But then (laughs) an answer just sort of sprung to mind and it's a cougar. So, like, if you've got a cougar in the boat with you, you've got to learn to drive with that fear. Because there ain't nothing more frightening than driving with a live cougar in the car. If you're calm, that wondrous big cat will be calm too. But if you're scared, that beautiful deaf machine will do what God made it to do, namely eat you with a smile on its face. And if you think that's a quote from Talladega Nights, you'd be right. Yes. <laughs> a fucking cougar. That, that's a great answer. <laughs> For me, I would I would take this more of the comedic route. I wanna I wanna see it with a monkey. I think a monkey is a classic movie animal. Everyone can train their monkey to give them the signal, a different signal. You know, the birds start chirping a lot, but <laughs> the, I, and I guess I don't know if the monkey would have to be blindfolded or not. The birds didn't have didn't have to be. I guess so. I like that. That's good. <laughs> I also took this the the more of a comedy route and just thinking of like 
classic old school like children's movie where you know like a dog puts its paw over its nose or something and it's like <laughs> like that's the sign that you need to cover your eyes you know i just thought it would be a, a hilarious cutaway during something frightening yeah i like that that's good all right so my next question is um if you could provide one sentence and it can be totally absurd on why some people were not affected by the creatures what would it be i don't have one sentence i've got two words which is science deniers so these entities, whatever they are, have basically looked into the souls of all these people and saw that they were climate change deniers or anti-vaxxers or conspiracy theories, alt-right nutjobs, and they've just decided that these people would do more harm to humanity if they got left alive than if they killed them. So they're like, these are perfect. These are our foot soldiers. These are our peons. These are our mindless idiots that we can get to do stuff for us. So that's what they are. They're science deniers. Ooh, I like that. I went the very literal sense because I saw, I, I was reading a little bit about the movie. I saw different thoughts on what people actually thought for this. I think it's people who are already affected by men- mental illness are not negatively affected by the creatures because for some reason it just reverses what, what's already going on in your mind. So instead of the mental illness that they're experiencing, it, it makes it the opposite for them and turns it into something beautiful. Interesting. Yeah, that's a great answer. Good work, Ellie. My answer, my answer to my own question was just that the anti-vaxxers were right about one thing. <laughs> so it's all the anti-vaxxers who survive. Um, and then my last question is, if one of your senses is taken away, the others get stronger. So if you lost your eyesight, which sense would you want to be your super sense and why? Uh, I mean, Daredevil is one of my favorite Marvel superhero characters. So why not sound? Why not have echolation, you know? Would I dress up in a red suit and go around at night fighting crime? Nah, too much of a pussy. But at the same time, it would be pretty cool <laughs> to be able to have that echolation and be able to like still walk around and sense people and hear people miles away. Although that being said, man, you'd always hear people talking shit about you. You know Ooh, what I mean? Yeah, there would be some downsides. <laughs> you could never go to parties. You could never listen to all your like concerts or anything like that. You could never go, you know, like hang out with your friends and then go to the toilet and then be like, oh, fuck, Sam's here again. God damn it. <laughs> Who invited him? He'd just be sitting there like, Oh, just go home then. Fuck these guys, you know? It would be ruined. <laughs> That's true. It could ru- it could ruin some some things for you. But I would I chose the same one. I chose hearing for the same reasons. I think actually of all the other senses, it's probably the other the one that's the most functional besides sight. So I feel yeah. like it's probably the easy go to answer. Although I did think about maybe taste because I think it would be fun to have an even stronger sense of taste to really enjoy, you know, good food. I feel like the worst would be smell. Like if you, oh yeah, <laughs> like yeah, that'd be if bad. If everything was massively overpowering and smelly, you'd be like, oh, nah, I'm good. I'm moving to the countryside at least. Yeah, I'm live in a rose garden. Yep. I would also pick hearing, but I think in this case it would make me so paranoid because I would just every like sound in the woods, I would just think I'm about to die because. Oh, yeah. You know, these creatures just come in the wind. So I would probably go insane. Uh, you totally <laughs> want to lock yourself in an echo chamber, basically, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Anywho, uh, that moves me over to my questions. Yep. Um, so, yeah, basically, back when this movie came out, it spawned a social media trend, not in New Zealand, but in America, uh, with a whole bunch of Americans. <laughs> I think it was really cool to do a bird box challenge where they basically blindfold themselves and they just drive around. You know, unsurprisingly, people had accidents. <laughs> Morons. Anyway, <laughs> I, was, I was wondering, like, while I was watching this, I was like, okay, that's kind of interesting that that spawned that sort of, like, social media trend. I want to know from you guys, if one, if a classic horror film came out today, 
Like it was came out fresh, like not rebooted, remade or anything like that. It came out fresh today. What sort of moronic trend do you guys reckon that might inspire or challenge might it inspire? Okay, this was a fun question. Mine is maybe not a traditional horror film, but the movie Seven, and it would be the What's in the Box challenge, which I'm sure there would be oh, some psycho people who would be like pulling out their own teeth or doing crazy, like picking off their fingernails or doing some insane things and leaving it in a box for their friends to find and have to guess what's in the box. Not only that, more like just driving them out into the countryside and then having somebody oh. like a delivery driver show up and be like, yes. hey, bro, what's in the box? Can you guess? And you'd just be like, oh, fuck it. Like the, the anxiety of like, it could be like a teddy bear or something, but the anxiety of what's in there would be enough for me to be like, no, nah, let, let me go home, bro. I don't want to be yep. here. Yep. <laughs> oh. Oh my god, the fingernail comment just made me have a physical negative reaction. Yeah, I'm, my gut's tuning. Yeah. <laughs> um, mine would be uh, keeping in the spirit of the bird theme, Alfred Hitchcock's birds. And I feel like people would like cover themselves in birdseed or something and do some stupid TikTok challenge where they're like waiting for birds to flock to them, but then they'd like end up losing an eye or with a new strain of avian bird flu, and then, you know, the world would shut down again and... <laughs> I love how optimistic you are, Anne. This is amazing. <laughs> we live in America, but you know, we, you know, people are dumb. Did you have product any, of the surroundings? Yeah. Did you have an answer for your own question for this one? Uh, I, yeah, I didn't actually have an answer for my own question, but I did send you over a suggestion, which was jawsing, which was basically posing for selfies in the mouth of a great white shark. I was like. <laughs> Yep. I, I could just imagine it. I mean, we already have, like, I mentioned that to my wife, Stacey, and Stacey was like, people already do that. They already go bloody cage diving with fucking great white sharks. And I was like, right. that's true. That's <laughs> like, right. That's We're already, already morons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That would be the next step too far. I was like, yeah, sitting in a cage is, you know, with meat and stuff is all good. But how about I jump in one of their mouths? The, the only other one I could think of would be um, Shining, which is where you take your wife and kids to... <laughs> A hotel that no one else is staying at, and then you chase her around with an axe. That's yeah. what I can <laughs> Anyway, on to my next question. Uh, so, in the film, we see that the monsters can't go inside. That's their big thing, and that's how these people manage to stay safe. Uh, I want to know from you guys why can't these monsters go inside? I mean, what are these monsters to start with, and why do you reckon these monsters can't go inside? Uh, okay, I think the monsters have to be something supernatural. Not everyone. Oh, you can- reckon? Yeah, not everyone can see them. They're, I don't think they're anything physical because not everyone can see them. And I, I don't know. The, the why they can't go inside still stumps me. But I think it's clear that they're at least not physical because if they were physical, then everyone would have been killed the first time chaos broke loose because even Mallory couldn't, couldn't see what her sister could see um, yeah. when her sister was driving. Yeah, it, it was very selective in that point and that there was tons of people all running around and yet Mallory's sister was the only one that saw it and then started doing something about it. I mean, yeah, there was right. like one or two around them, but like the vast majority of people were just, nah, just running. Yeah, and I think it can morph because different people saw different things. But to your point, I want to know why they can't go inside. I don't have a good answer to that. And I want to know where the line is drawn to what counts as inside. Yeah. Because there's, you know, like, is it a true building or are there other structures that aren't really buildings that they could be safe in? I, I realize I'm adding more questions. I'm not answering it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a good point. Like, if you've got, like, just a, like a massive sunshade umbrella up, 
is it able to go under the sunshade umbrella? You know? oh, right, right. Like how, how <laughs> yeah, thick yeah. does the structure have to be? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't have a good answer for this. And it's mostly why I hate the movie. Because I'm like, how dare you make me use my imagination? I'm here to be entertained. <laughs> so, like, the thought that I have to invent what this creature is in the first place just turns me off to the whole movie. Because I think it's lazy. <laughs> but... I would agree with Allie that it must morph and be different for everyone because Greg's like crazy drawings were a bunch of different looking monsters that kind of remind me of the monster from Stranger Things season two, if you recall, mm. or, or if you've seen that. So I would, if I had to say why they can't go inside, I would just say it's because wind does not have thumbs and can't open the door. Like, I, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's a good answer. And it's interesting, like like you said, Ellie, like you don't feel like they occupy a physical space, yet when they were driving in their car and all these sensors around the car started going off, sort of implied that they were about to have a collision, which makes me feel like these are some type of monster that like occupies a physical space, but at the same time doesn't have strength, if you know mm. what I mean. Like it's, it's like a sheet basically flapping in the breeze, but it's an invisible sheet. Right, and yet right. it's like the sheet's too big to come in the door. I mean, that, the reason why I... Um, the reason why I don't think they come in is I think they like respect property ownership rights and they don't like, like <laughs> trespassing. So. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure these killer monsters are like, oh yeah, okay, I won't go inside. Yeah, exactly. And it's and it's only if you see them. Like it could technically touch you, right? But it has no effect. I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah, because like that scene at the end where Sandra is, a good old Sandra B is flapping around in the, out in the woods sort of thing. It's like, it's, it's like it's brushing around her and surrounding her and trying to get her to take her mask off and whispering in her ear and all that sort of stuff. So it's has capabilities, but at the same time, it's pretty goddamn useless. So, yeah. <laughs> right, right. It's a tough one. Uh, and my final question, uh, I was, I, I was going to ask you guys something horrible to get you guys play off against each other. I was going to say which one of you guys think would survive the longest, but I was like, no, oh, no, that's <laughs> a, little, a little bit too mean. I don't really need to get them to turn on each other on the first time they've guessed it on a podcast. So instead I decided to go with another, even more of a moral quandary, which is at one point when they're going down the rapids, Sandra Bullock's kid, which we discover is her kid. And then the other girl's kid, uh, Olympia's kid. Uh, she's basically been taking care of them. And then when they get to the rapids, she's told, you need somebody to look, otherwise you guys are going to die. And it's just basically, you can't navigate it. And whoever looks probably is going to die. But at the same time, you need someone to look so you guys can navigate and get off, get off the river safely. Who would you guys pick? Which one of the kids would you pick to look? Would you look yourself? Or would you do the Sandra Bullock route, which is, fuck it, let's all just die? This is a horrible question. <laughs> I yes, pick- I know. <laughs> Um, I'm a, I'm a softie. I think I would have made the same decision as Sandy. I don't think I don't think I could have chosen between the two. And then I really tried to force myself to pick. And I came up with, okay, maybe I would choose the girl if I were Mallory because the girl is not technically my blood child. <laughs> but then that's horrible because she raised her from this, literally the same moment that she raised her own son. So then I was like, okay, maybe I would choose the boy because he offered first. He he raised his hand first, and clearly I can't choose. I'm not cut out for this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're right. Like, one of them isn't actually your flesh and blood, but at the same time, you know, is, is the, like the most extreme case of nepotism where you don't pick your child, you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> right. reverse nepotism or something. <laughs> I don't know what it is where it's just like, like, you know, but at the same time, like that little girl throughout this film, like she's, 
like tied a rope around herself and like yeah. tried to go off and find Sandra Bullock. She's offered to look. She's like she's brave. Like she's brave as hell. Like if, if anything, yeah. Like if anything, that makes me want to pick the little boy because he's been useless the whole time. So, <laughs> <laughs> though I will say, like they made it pretty, like overall, pretty easily for the rapids being so dangerous, I feel like they made it out of there relatively unscathed for not having looked at all uh-huh. and for the birds yeah. to have survived as well. By the They're way. in like a freaking rowboat going down white rapids <laughs> and somehow blind and somehow all survive. I need to know how those birds survived. They're in like a cardboard box <laughs> floating down the river. Air like, pocket. There's no way. <laughs> For a work Christmas do two years ago, we went down some rapids with a like a guided instructor who does it ten times a day, and there was like there was like twenty or something of us from work, and we had four boats. Three of those boats flipped, and one of us had to get fished out of the water before he drowned. So uh, this movie is bullshit, man. <laughs> this is totally bullshit. agreed. <laughs> agreed. Bullshit. I'm like, there's no way, and it would have been so cold. Get out of here. <laughs> I would have picked the girl because she's a dummy and she got out of the boat and didn't listen to Mallory. Um, and so I was like, well, that's it. <laughs> she, was, she was trying to help. Yeah, but she didn't listen. And Mallory can't trust her. She said that. And the girl is scared of her. So let her look. But this goes back to my whole, like, why, how and why can, like, a five-year-old commit suicide? Like, that is so messed up. It's crazy, eh? It's, yeah, it's, it's messed up. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Cool. Um, this is over to Ellie. What do you got there, Ellie? Okay, first question. What conspiracy theory do you think the world would come up with if what happened in Bird Box happened in our world today? (laughs) Oh, boy. Okay. I think people would call it the Romania virus and that it was invented by the Russians in an effort to take over the world. And those who did not immediately die or who survived were actually vaccinated Russian spies. And if you survived and you were in hiding, everyone would be suspicious of everyone else being a Russian spy, and so everyone <laughs> just ends up alone. I could see that. It is eerie how almost very similar to mine yours <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah, I was like, look, guys, this is just a Romanian-Russian problem. You know, it's just one monster that's coming to America, totally got it under control. We haven't even seen his birth certificate, so we probably know... <laughs> we don't even know if it's American or not. And where's his 30,000 emails? Where's this monster's 30,000 emails? We haven't seen those emails. They got deleted. You know, it's bullshit. Like, that monster, it's, it's fake news. It's fake news. It's just, um, it's just been designed to, you know, keep you guys dumbed down, and it's just, it's just societal control. And, like, if I'm a true patriot, I want to be able to go out there and have, have them. You are remarkably me. up to date with American politics. Yes. And, <laughs> okay. Uh... <laughs> okay. So an average day in American news is, is legitimately better than half the TV shows we've got going <laughs> in New Zealand at the moment. So I came up with an answer to this one, too. And it's, it's very on topic with current events that the suicides are actually activated by something that the government puts out that connects with a chip. That was implanted in people <laughs> when they had the COVID vaccine. <laughs> Those microcomputers. Yeah. They're coming for you. Like goddamn Bill Gates. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my next question is more of a fun one. So what would be your must-grab item on the grocery run? I went for practical and delicious, and I would just load up on all the beef jerky. Just like every variety, flavor. Pack, individual pack, snack packs, you know, it can last you forever. (laughs) Packed with protein. So good. Proteins and salts. Some of the stuff that you'll easily lose, you know, it's 
Exactly. That's a great answer. And it's compact as well. Like, they're tiny. Like, it's not... Yeah, it's like, very practical. Like, I was thinking like a bag of chips, but then if you grab a bag of chips, it's like quite big and hard to carry and don't really get much nutrition out of it. So, the one for me is probably coconut water. Coconut water's like really taken off here in New Zealand. Hmm. It's sort of like replaced all the energy drinks because it's like a natural energy drink. So, you're getting your electrolytes as well as getting hydrated. Something like that. I can hear my wife downstairs screaming, no, you wouldn't. You go Ram Raid KFC, which is probably true. (laughs) (laughs) Just smash in there and find out why those 11 herbs and spices are. (laughs) Again, for our American listeners, I've talked about this a million times. KFC in New Zealand is like gourmet takeaways. It's like fresh chicken and it's just, oh, it's delicious. I'm getting hungry just talking about it. It's amazing how American born like, fast food companies are held to such a higher standard not in america <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah just just classic that's classic <laughs> as someone who was like incredibly excited about eating kfc in the motherland and then went to a kfc in new york and then went to a kfc in boston and immediately threw up after both times yeah i'm, oh, I'm pretty i was gonna ask if you shit your pants <laughs> yeah pretty much both ends just like i turned into like a double-ended sprinkler in the and what just walking out of the kfc i was incredibly disappointed <laughs> Nine out of we'll ten. Never go to Popeyes. Don't go to Popeyes if you ever uh, if you ever come back to America because that will not end well for you. <laughs> yeah, probably my lesson, but I'll take that on as board as well. <laughs> you guys gave really <laughs> gave really practical answers. Mine was more like, "Let me drown my sorrows that maybe the end of the world is coming, and I'm going to grab a box of brownies, assuming that I still have an egg and a working oven, and that's going to be my little last hurrah." <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Makes sense. All right, so next question. What three people, they could be real or fictional characters, would you want to have on your Bird Box apocalypse team? I loved this question, and I thought for a very, very, very long time about it. And this is what I came up with. Okay, John McClane from Die Hard. Bobby Flay, the chef, because we got to <laughs> eat. And if you've ever watched Beat Bobby Flay, he can work with any kind of food, and it's always the best. And Dr. Lahiri from Mindy Kaling's uh, The Mindy Project show, because oh, wow. she's, she's a badass. She would be able to make us laugh even in the worst of times. And she's a doctor, which I feel like that would be handy to have around. God damn, picking a doctor. That's a smart idea. That's damn really it. good. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Man, like you're right. Like this was an awesome question. But at the same time, this was like legitimately gave me like waking up in cold sweats in the middle of the night wondering who I'm going to pick because there was like so many people that I wanted to pick and then I narrowed it down and I'm even looking at my list and I'm like no no yes no oh maybe but um the first first of which I'm a massive Brie Larson fan so if um, I want Brie Larson's Captain Marvel I don't think there'd be anything that would be able to stop she would you know she's a superhero she's got like all the she can take on Thanos she's pretty much like the bomb you know I don't if we get into trouble she'd be there to protect us that being said, have you guys seen Your Next, the horror film from 2011? It's got Shani Vincent in it, and no. she. Oh, anyone that's seen Your Next, she basically turns into. It's like a horror version of Home Alone. Uh, massive spoiler alert for the film Your Next. Don't know why I didn't say that while recording this episode, but here you go. Here's your warning for the film Your Next. So she basically, she basically goes <laughs> to this family thing, and then the family try to kill her. And she t- she's an Australian girl that's been raised in the outback by her dad. And her dad's taught her all these survival techniques. So she pretty much turns the house into home alone and sort of like that's fights amazing. back against, against back all these people. And so I was like, that's awesome. And I was like, you want someone that has that practical skills that would be able to keep you alive and all that sort of stuff. And then I was like, 
I was also thinking, I was like, my last choice, I should have gone with a doctor and I'm pissed off I didn't now, but I did go with someone that I thought would be really funny, but at the same time as a real go-getter, a real practical thinker, real problem solver, and that's why I went with Al Woods from Legally Blonde. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's amazing. I don't, I don't know why it came to me. And like uh, um, Emily Higgins, who we mentioned, we, she did uh, hosted an episode of our show on Legally Blonde, and I actually watched it with Stacey. And as a man who is just a typical red-blooded man who was like, I'm never going to watch Legally Blonde, that's not for me, and then watched it, I was like, this movie is awesome. So yeah, Al Woods, I want her. (laughs) That's amazing. I considered a superhero, but then I was worried that if they did end up committing suicide, that it would, like, cause some mass destruction because their powers would, like, implode or something. Mm. So that's why I went with John McClane, because I thought... Yeah, you know. you're right. Captain Marvel would literally destroy half the universe if she exploded. God damn it. Right. Did you <laughs> well, at consider least Daredevil? Oh, fuck. Whoa. Jesus. I need to slap myself. What the hell? That, that was the first one that came to mind for me. And I, I wondered when you mentioned Daredevil earlier if that was going to come up now. But I, f- I feel like if, if you're going to go with someone with, you know, special abilities, Daredevil yeah. seems like a good choice. Yeah, a guy that will never be killed by these monsters that is, yeah, oh, god damn it. <laughs> can we start again can we start the whole podcast again what a moron i've even mentioned him to earlier fuck what an idiot <laughs> oh that's good did you have any ellie uh daredevil was my first one yep and then i'm going way back here i'm bringing galileo <laughs> wow because i feel like he's got the brains to figure this out like we're not just gonna survive i feel like he's gonna like Solve the puzzle and bring us to back to normal life. <laughs> I think I'm imagining just Galileo like instantly transported to our time. And I feel like he would just end up like sitting in the kitchen marveling at a strawberry Pop-Tart. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, you might be right. Amazed. But, but I, hope his, uh, I hope his brains would help me in that situation. <laughs> You're right. He would probably have a mental breakdown the second he saw a toaster or something like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably. Yeah, I might need to rethink that one. Um, and then my third one would be my dad. <laughs> because he's, uh, I mean, obviously you don't know him, but Anne knows him. He's, uh, yeah. I would say he's pretty BA, but he's also like very level-headed and full of wisdom. So I feel like that would give, take, keep me covered. I got the brains, I got the level-headedness, and I got the daredevil abilities. That's good. That's a great answer. Man, I would not bring my mum into this universe. We would not even make it past the first day, first hour, <laughs> first minute. <laughs> you need to wear this blindfold. Don't fucking tell me what to do. And done. Sin. <laughs> yeah, great answers. That moves us down to our final question. Also a Patreon question. This week we have gone with Dan Brennick from Netflix and Swill, an awesome podcast that covers all things Netflix related, like this film. So, yeah, if you want to hear his thoughts about Bird Box and a whole bunch of other stuff, uh, go out and check out Netflix and Swill. Got a link down in the show notes. Dan has a couple of questions he throws at us, and this one I feel is really good to use on this film, uh, which is basically, who do you guys think is the real MVP of this film? And it can't be the main character, so it can't be, uh, look at me, I'm Sandra B. It's got to be someone else. Okay. Uh, Mine is Tom. I love Tom. And yeah. I would pick him because, first of all, he sacrificed himself, as we talked about earlier, for Mallory and the kids. But aside from that, I think he really helped Mallory as a person, like her character growth and to where she is at the end of the movie. I feel like he helped her learn and grow a lot. So I think Tom, for sure, hands down. 
Yeah, he's yeah he he was the human grounding in a lot of ways, and I think he managed to help her towards the end a lot as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, find her humanity again. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I had a feeling Tom would Tom would be picked first, so I did have Tom written down. But I would also say John Malkovich's character. Yes. Because like you like you said like yeah he's a douchebag, but he's trying to survive, and he knew Greg was crazy. And even after they kind of betray him and keep Greg around, like, he goes upstairs blindfolded with a shotgun and shoots him and ultimately dies trying to take down this crazy guy. So I don't think that, like, Sandra and the kids would not have survived if he hadn't intervened. So, like, Ooh. the movie wouldn't have even happened. You're so right. That's true. I, yeah. I'll give him some props there. I'm not going to lie. Those are my first two answers. I mean... The other one I feel like we've skipped over is Charlie. I mean, Charlie mm-hmm. runs mm-hmm. headfirst at a guy named Fishfingers. Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, so true. horrifying. Poor sweet Charlie. Poor sweet Charlie. Like, that was... Uh, he was the only... Like I said, I didn't really care much about these characters. He was the only character, like, as a guy who's also written a book. Like, I was like, yeah, I can, I can take this guy, man. He's, like, <laughs> knows some shit. He's seen some things. He's got some ideas on how it all works, but he's not... Like, pushing it down your throat, he's not conspiracy theory. Well, you know, I'm talking about myself here. I hope I'm not that fucking nuts. But at the same time, like, he's a nice, nice enough dude that I'm like, yeah, I could see myself in, in this character. And then when he just, yeah, suicide runs at the door because no one else is doing anything. I was like, ah, oh, Charlie, you're the man. That's true. His death hurt the most. Yeah. Like, more than Tom, even, for me. I know Tom, like, sacrificed himself, but Charlie literally did it for strangers. And he was just like, oh, man. And just, like, goes for That's it. true. Tom sacrificed himself in a way that pissed me off. You know, like, why did you leave the house? Why not try and shoot these people from inside the house? You know what I mean? Like, just... I did wonder that, too. Like, he just went out to confront them. Yeah, he didn't even try to escape. Like, they, they could have just run for it. I don't know. Exactly. But, like, even if he'd sat in the house and they just opened the window and fired shots randomly out there, those guys would have, like, even though they're crazy, they probably would have taken cover. And that would have given Sandra Bullock and the kids enough time to run out the back door. You know what I mean? It would have given them a chance yeah. to get away. But instead, he just wandered out there like, like he hasn't been living through this for the last five years. It was like, hey, what's up? How are you guys doing? Yeah, can you guys leave? You know, it's like, come on, right. man. Come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, a anyway. good point. Damn it, Tom. I love Tom as well. He was probably my second favorite character. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that takes us to the end. Well done to these two for coming on the show and being absolute rock stars. You guys have done really, really well. Thanks for having us. This is super fun. I like looking at the movie from this, you know, the perspective of asking questions about it. It's fun. Yeah, I love the the format of your show. This was a really fun way to re- review a movie. So thanks for having us. Oh, it's been an absolute blast. I love the format of your guys' show as well. I um, I listened to quite a few episodes. Uh, Office Space is one of my favorite films of all time. And <laughs> I think it goes to show how good you guys are that I could listen to your episode on Office Space where you're like, yeah, it's all right. And so I still have you on. <laughs> <laughs> wow, thank you. That means a lot. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we knew we were going to make some enemies with that yeah. episode. So thanks for, for still. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You, you, well done. You've broken a man Apologies. in New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, you guys mentioned at the start of the podcast. Why don't you tell us again about Girl Crush Pod, where everyone can find you, all that sort of fun stuff. And then uh, we'll say goodbye. Sure. So just to recap, uh, Girl Crush Podcast uh, rates and reviews the whole repertoire of an actress each season. So our first actress uh, for season one was Jennifer Aniston. And season two is Sandra Bullock. Our season premiere is coming out the first week of February, which we're really excited about. 
Um, we rank across plot, character, acting, would you watch again score, and bonus points. Um, so you can tune in and hear what our bonus points are for Sandra Bullock. It's different than our season one bonus points. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at girlcrush underscore pod or on Facebook, but we don't really use that. So maybe cut <laughs> that out. Uh, or you can email us at podcastgirlcrush at gmail.com. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll have links down in the show notes for all of that sort of stuff. And yeah, thanks again to you guys. Uh, anyone listening, if you guys want to get in contact with us as well, we are most prolific on Twitter. You can find us at Movie Reviews In, or you can send us an email at mritqs at gmail.com. Uh, I'm slowly starting to get into the Instagram game. So, you know, we are starting to put content on there. So we also have an Instagram, which is just Movie Reviews and 20Qs. Same with our Facebook. We don't use that very often, but you guys can find us there too. Uh, upcoming episodes after this, not too sure because this is legitimately four episodes into the future when I'm, we're recording this. But uh, yeah, anyway, that's thanks for me. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Bye.